Hi everybody, this is Lori Weaver. Welcome to Compulsive Overeating Diary, day 65. It's now been 24 weeks, one day, since I began this experiment where I talk about my thoughts and feelings about compulsive overeating rather than heading for the chips. And today's a really fun and exciting day for me. Yay! This is Gratitude, Stories, and Bravery Day. That's right, I have lots to be grateful for, lots of thank yous to give out. I welcome some new listeners from Facebook and one of which who called the Bravery Hotline. Thanks, that's Amy from Wisconsin. I finally get to reveal to you the exciting thing that I got to do last weekend, something that I've known about for a couple of months, thanks to listener Jenny. And I'm gonna tell you that story in just a few moments. And last but not least, new Brave Companion Donnie makes my day because she called up the Bravery Hotline to be the very first Brave Companion to try for some foolish fun. So all of this and much more coming up after we listen to our inspirational snippet of I'm Letting Go by Josh Woodward. And we'll see what we're letting go of today. But I'm letting go. Josh. Well, I have to admit, brave companions, that usually I listen to this snippet of Josh Woodward's I'm Letting Go, and I see what floats up to my mind of what do I need to let go of today. But I kind of already knew what I had to let go of today. So I kind of put that to the back of my mind while I was listening to see, is that true that I know what I need to let go of? And it is. I need to let go of assumptions. Now in English, there's this saying that people say don't make don't assume because that makes an ass of you and me and that's a, a play on how you spell assume a-s-s-u-m-e so don't assume because that makes an ass out of you and me and the first time I heard that I swear I just didn't get it I looked at the dude and went huh what are you talking about I had never heard that since then I've heard it many a times and I see that it's kind of true now an assumption, when you assume something, it can be for the good or it can be for the bad, but it's basically making up your mind on something that isn't really based on facts or may not be the reality. And the weird thing with assumptions, Braid Companions, is that if you put your mind towards that idea, whatever it is, your behaviors and your attitudes can actually make that kind of thing come true. You know, like if you assume you're going to go to a party and stuff your face like crazy because you assume that you have no way to resist potato chips or cookies or something like that, well, you put that in your mind, you basically put your laser focus on all the food at the party, right? So if what you're really looking at is food because you're trying to avoid eating a bunch of food, what's on your mind? The food. If instead you kind of make an assumption or put into your head that I'm going to the party because I want to meet three new people or I want to find out 
three things about how my friends are doing. And that's what I want to know. Like, you know, I haven't seen my friends or I haven't met some new people for a while. So that's what I'm going to go do. Then that's what's on your mind. And there might be potato chips. There might be sweets. There might be drinks. There might be other things at the party. But if your mind is really thinking about, I want to get to know some people, the food takes a much lesser priority role. And that's something that I'm still working on. I'm still working on it because I make a lot of assumptions around my life how people are going to react to me because of my weight or what I weigh or I make assumptions about what I'm going to behave like because of my fear of food or what kind of food I'm eating. And a good example of that is maintenance blogger Karen P. Now that's Garden Girl and you know I gave her a shout out for a few episodes and she's really supportive of my podcast and Garden Girl is doing really, really well with her own maintenance journey but she follows a grain-free template that's like paleo, right? Where you're eating things like you would have eaten thousands of years ago, primarily. Now, I'm not an expert in paleo, but primarily like proteins and vegetables, non-root vegetables, things, things that are, are lower in carb, and it's just a different kind of lifestyle, right? That's very different than what I'm doing where all bets are off and I'm working on intuitive eating to kind of take away all sense of restriction to work on my binge behavior and to get to the root of my compulsions. So for me, it really doesn't work at the moment for me to limit any kind of food group or any kind of food, even horrible chemical-filled Cheetos. Now, I don't really want to eat Cheetos and I guess I should say allegedly chemical-filled Cheetos, but foods that are highly processed and, and that way, normally I would say this is not something I'm going to eat. But even those kinds of foods, there is no food that I will say is forbidden to myself at the moment. Now this is very different kind of approach than what Karen's doing. So I would assume, man, Karen would take one, listen to what I have to say and skedaddle. Say, this is not for me, not what I want to listen to, right? But that's not the case. In fact, Garden Girl just gave Compulsive Overeating Diary a five-star review on iTunes. And this is what she says. I love Lori's style of podcasting, thinking aloud while walking in the park and letting us listen to her thoughts and how she thinks about eating, weight, and thought habit strategies. Awesomeness. She's also interactive with her fans and listens to many points of view. I'd love to hear her positive attitude and how she problem solves and is willing to try what is working for her. So little is published about weight maintenance. Glad to add Lori's podcast to my regular lineup. Karen P., weight maintenance blogger. So I want to give you another shout out. Garden Girl, Karen, I especially enjoy that you gave me a nice review because as I just said, our strategies at the moment could almost not be more different, but I appreciate that your success is what works for you and that you appreciate that what I'm doing is what's working for me. I love that we can support each other on our journeys and appreciate what each other has to say without having that gut reaction assumption that, hey, you're wrong, I'm right, and vice versa. 
because sometimes, brave companions, I feel that when we're in the nutrition realm or the dieting realm or trying to deal with either our food issues or our body issues, that sometimes we tend to isolate into camps rather like assumptions people make about one another's religions or politics. We get kind of set in our ways. And I'm not saying that I think you should be swayed by what I say or what Garden Girl says. I don't think you should ever be swayed from what rings true for you or what resonates for you, whether it's a political belief, a religious belief, or a nutritional belief. But I do think it's valuable for all of us to have open minds and to listen because maybe there's some things that that person is saying or doing that might give you some new insights and some new tools that might help. You never know. Like I said before, I probably would have until very recently just assumed that you should never ever eat Cheetos ever again, that they're a manufactured food that have food coloring and who knows what else is in there. And I would have, from my point of view, which is pretty much fresh food, organic whenever possible, felt that Cheetos were just the devil and evil and something that should never cross your lips. Now, one reason I feel that way is because when I was a youngster, and I might have said this before, Cheetos were like one of my very, very, very favorite junk foods, and I never got them at home. And I used to get them when the babysitter would give them to me after school, right before I got to sit down and watch Bozo the Clown. So Cheetos and relaxation and Bozo the Clown are all tied in my mind. So whether I like the taste of Cheetos or not, the idea of Cheetos kind of dings that pleasure center and brings back that fond memory. But if I'm using my intuitive eating tools and I sit down and I take that first bite of Cheeto and crunch it around in my mouth and think to myself, how is this tasting and how does my body like it? Bah! Cheetos don't taste good to me anymore. <laughs> they really don't. Now, brave companions, if you're weighing in your mind, I forbid yourself from ever eating Cheetos again as long as you live because they're totally bad for your body. But you have this nice memory in your mind. Or you say, okay, let's try Cheetos. You evaluate it, you taste it, and you say, huh, you know what? I really don't like the flavor of Cheetos any longer. Which one do you think makes it easier to avoid stuffing your face with Cheetos in future? The feeling that they're forbidden and bad for you and the world at large tells you not to eat it? Even your own critical self telling you not to eat it? Or the part of you that has given it a try and decides, I don't really like it. You know, it can go on beyond flavor too. It can be, how does your body react? Now, the other day Mark and I went out for Chinese food and it used to be the restaurant that we went to the reason we went to it is because they always had such fresh vegetables. Their stir-fry vegetables were delicious, and for Chinese food, their entrees didn't taste too salty or overly seasoned in a chemical way, like with MSG, that kind of thing. And so we enjoyed to go there now and again. Well, I got a bowl of soup that I would normally order, and I saw there were little shrimps in it. And I said to the waiter, I cannot eat this. I'm very sorry. I did not know that it came with shrimp because I'm allergic to shellfish, as I've shared with you guys. And he's like, oh, I'll take it away. And he brought me back a new bowl of soup. 
Now, I don't know if they just took those shrimp out of the soup or if there was stock in there, but I had a pretty bad reaction. I felt all of a sudden just puffed up like a blowfish, which is one of the things that kind of happens to me if I eat seafood. And, but it could also just be that it was salty because the whole meal was just not as good as normal. It tasted salty to us. It didn't taste fresh. It didn't taste this kind of food that we've had there before. And this is on top of we had gone out another day to have a little bite to eat. And so the last couple of days, I've just been feeling terrible, just terrible. I mean, I felt puffy. I've been retaining water, even when I went on my bike ride. Usually when I go on a nice bike ride and work up a good sweat, that kind of evens out my system. So, you know, foods can impact your body and paying attention to that and saying, I choose to forego a food because of how my body reacts to it, I think is also a different thing than just saying, I'm going to give up this type of food forever because someone says so. That's why I really appreciate Karen's blog because she's talking about what she's found for her and her experience and she's doing what works for her. So I really want to give you guys encouragement to go over to see Karen's blog and to check it out. In fact, she just recently reviewed this podcast and I'll leave the link on today's show notes so you can check it out and leave a comment and say howdy to her because she really has lots of other interesting content you might like too. She has a list of weight maintenance resources and, and more information if you want to investigate living a grain-free or paleo-based lifestyle like has worked so well for her. So that's one of my first thank yous. Thank you, Garden Girl. Thank you so much for your support. And also, I want to thank you once again for reminding me that I am a weight maintainer. Because like I said last time, I get so focused on where my weight went up or my pants size is up from what it was six months ago or a year ago. I forget that I have maintained almost 100 pounds off since I lost the 130 pounds at Weight Watchers. Almost. That's it. But I don't know. Since now I'm not weighing myself anymore. <laughs> but, but still, I've kept quite a bit off. And that helps me to focus on the positives that I have been over these last 15 years or so that making these changes in my lifestyle, that diet or not, binge or not, robot aliens or not, I have been making progress to living the life that I want, which is one that's free of fear of food, where I can enjoy food and I no longer use my compulsive eating as a way to push people away and limit my connections with others. Another big assumption I had that I talked about the last couple of shows is that you, the Brave Companions, would never like to just give me some money and support my show financially. And I told you I was no longer going to apologize for that. And I was going to just be assertive and thankful. Well, guess what? Two more Brave Companions bought me a $5 cup of coffee with my button. So thank you, you two Brave Companions. 
That means three of you have bought me $5 worth of coffee on my website. <laughs> and that thrills me. It thrills me more than having the money. What thrills me is that you guys see value in the podcast and the website enough to push that button and to fork over your dough. Because let's face it, here in America, forking over the dough is a big I love you in our society. Might be wrong. Might not be the best way. And again, I don't mean to tell any of you who have not done that, that you need to go do that. But I was very surprised by how emotionally satisfying it was that you three said, I care about you with my dollars. Somehow it's not better, but it's different feeling than when you guys are supporting me with your comments. And now I'm kind of scared to even put this in my show because I'll feel money grabbing. But no, it's, it's the psychological point of view. You know, it's like if you go out to get a job and you make a salary at a certain level and the people are willing to pay a higher level for you than you expected, you feel good because that does, that does say they value me. Rightly or wrongly in our society, money is a way of value. And as I said last time, I think because I do have or did have, I'm doing better, but I had a very integrated low sense of value. So I think my fear about asking for money in any way is that you guys would obviously say no. And I didn't want to put myself forward with rejection, right? I didn't want to be rejected by you. I didn't want to say, Here's, you know, a way that you can give me $5. And then the crickets came. Because then I would tell myself, see, what an idiot. You're out there begging for money and nobody wants to do that. And now you've made a big fool of yourself and you're that shame spiral. And again, let me underline, absolutely, this is not a way to try to get you to do that. But I'm, I like to talk to you guys how I feel about things that happen in my life around the things that underline my overeating. And it felt very, very hard, that whole money issue, to one, talk about it that I did a few episodes ago, and two, to actually put that kind of availability of financial support on my site was very difficult. It was one of the toughest things I've ever done. And to do that, and to have you guys step up and say, well, of course, here, here it is. It was unbelievable how that felt. And I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for giving me that experience. You know, and like I said, the next 10,000 of you do not need to rush immediately go to repeat that experience. If you feel like supporting my show with a one-time gift of $5, feel free but you don't have to. Honestly, you don't. But if you do, I appreciate it. And even though I don't expect it, I'm very happy with how much more balanced I'm starting to feel all around the whole topic of money. So whether it's going out for another job in future or trying to get clients or whatever it is that I'm doing, I feel this whole experience has really 
help me to not be scared to value myself and not to make an assumption that other people won't value me with a dollar amount. So thank you for that. Next up, I want to say welcome to two new listeners and brave companions. The first is Sophia from Sweden, and she left me this note via Facebook. Lori, I'm so thankful I found you and this pod via iTunes. It gives me so much strength and so much support. You are so brave, and your braveness is saving me and probably many more people. I'm your fellow companion, and I'm proud to be just that. I found the podcast two weeks ago, and right now I'm trying to catch up. So at the moment, I'm listening to episode 31 and having my breakfast here in Stockholm, Sweden. Keep this podcast alive. Keep fighting. And I promise to share more feedback and thoughts. Take care. Take care. By the way, what's your Instagram name? Well, Sophia, I wrote back to you on Facebook. And to you guys out there, if you want to follow me on Instagram, and I'll follow you back also, my name is Lori, L-A-U-R-I-E, Dream, D-R-E-A-M, Weaver, W-E-A-V-E-R. That's because Adventure Lori was already taken on Instagram, which is my Twitter handle, Adventure Lori. And back in the 70s, I think it was, Gary Wright did a song called Dream Weaver. So since my name is Weaver, I thought that would just be fun. Lori, Dream, Weaver. And I have been trying more to put more things on Instagram <laughs> because I keep forgetting. But I have been, like my bike ride that Mark and I did yesterday, I actually stopped at my water stops and documented it by posting photos on Instagram. So Sophia, thank you so much for contacting me on Facebook and I hope to see you on Instagram also. But now, I want to tell you about our next new listener and brave companion, Amy from Wisconsin. Amy first wrote to me via the contact form, and she's another new listener who is catching up. Hi, Lori. I'm listening to episode 19 right now, and I'm not listening to current shows until I catch up. I found you through Alan Standish's podcast. I really enjoyed hearing you on his show, so I came and downloaded all of yours. Thank goodness I just got a new phone, so I have plenty of memory storage. And she makes a smiley face. I just wanted to say hi and to let you know that I am listening. I have been a binge eater, compulsive overeater since I was about eight years old. I've been in therapy several times. I've tried OA. I've done Weight Watcher several times, as well as countless other methods of losing weight. I usually do well for a little while, but then the binges or compulsive thoughts take over. It is so frustrating. Hearing your podcast made me wonder if I could do an audio diary to talk through my feelings and thoughts instead of eating over them. Journaling doesn't work well for me, but I do seem to like to talk out my thoughts. So I am just recording my thoughts through the voice memo app on my iPhone for no one to hear but maybe me. I'll let you know how it goes. Okay, right now you are talking about clothes and sizes. Boy, can I relate. And your thoughts on bras. Oh, honey, I hear you. The happiest moments on most days is when I get home from work and get that darn bra off. I don't care if you use this or any of it or all of it on your show as long as you only use my first name. Thanks for all you do, Amy. So I had to laugh and go back and listen to that episode. And I remember I was telling you how much I hate tight clothes and how when I was working in the corporation, 
my favorite moment of the day was to go home and yank off that tight brassiere <laughs> because it would be digging into me by the end of the day. Oh man, that made me laugh. I'd forgotten I was being so honest with you guys just to talk about my, my dislike of tight brassieres. <laughs> I'm glad that, that it made Amy laugh and I'm glad that she wrote to me in the contact form. But then Amy really jumped into the bravery pool by calling the bravery hotline, not just to say hello, but to talk about her situation with us right after she had a compulsive eating event. So I hope that you will come to support Amy on day 65 for being so awesomely open and brave. That really is amazing. And now I want you guys to all meet the brave Amy in her own words. Hi, Lori. This is Amy in Wisconsin. Well, I just finished a compulsive overeating episode, and I decided to call, hoping that by calling and talking it out a little bit, maybe I can keep it from going into an all-out binge for the rest of the day. I had a picnic for my class last week, and there was a lot of cookies left over, vanilla Oreos, which I like a lot better than chocolate Oreos, and normally I don't keep this kind of stuff in the house. But it was left over, and I had them, and um, I was feeling really hungry, and, like, at first I tried to eat cantaloupe. I had some cantaloupe. It didn't satisfy me, or I didn't give it enough time to satisfy me, one or the other. And I ended up eating a whole bunch of the cookies. Of course, it started out with just three, and then just three more, and then a whole bowl. And I will say... I felt really full and decided to stop with one cookie left in the bowl. Of course, I could have stopped a couple earlier. But anyway, right now I'm full. I feel a little blah. And what I want to do is get up and go do my favorite hobby, which is quilting. And I want to play in my sewing room and just let this go and decide that when I'm hungry again, I will eat a normal meal that I'm not going to punish myself by not eating the rest of the day unless I don't feel hungry. But if I get hungry, I'll just eat a normal meal, perhaps no matter what time it is, because it's almost lunchtime and now I'm not hungry for lunch. So I hope that by calling, I've talked myself through this um, episode. I know a lot of times after something like this, I can let it go for a little bit late, little while and then a little bit later the thoughts start spinning in my head again so hey if that happens maybe I'll call you again later thanks so much for your show I really enjoy it and part of the reason I called is because I just got the email saying that there was a new show up and that sort of made me think of it so maybe anybody who hasn't subscribed to the email um, updates maybe they should and seeing that little email in their inbox or for me it came up on the phone help me think of this as an option. So thanks a lot. I hope you're doing well. Talk to you later. Bye. Thanks, Amy, for being so very brave and sharing your true feelings and your experience with us all to hear via the, the bravery hotline. The reason why I think it's so important when you do that is it gives everyone who's listening a voice and to know they're not alone and I know, I know from how pathetic I felt in episode four and how silly I felt the first several episodes of me actually posting my thoughts 
as a podcast, an actual podcast that you could find on iTunes. I felt so crazy to be doing that. But being open and honest and getting used to evaluating my feelings has been the best thing in the world that I could have ever done. And I also want to thank you, Amy, for pointing out that it helped you to subscribe on my website to be notified of new episodes and blog posts. And that getting that reminder by mail helped you in the middle of your eating episode. Brave Companions, if you'd like to subscribe like Amy, go to CompulsiveOvereatingDiary.com and just put your email address where it says subscribe to post via email. In that section, you don't even need your name. And all that does is in your email account, you will see when I post the show notes for a podcast like now, or if I just do some writing, you will see my blog post notification come up. Because sometimes I read you the blog post or parts of it, sometimes I don't. But I have been writing a lot more, especially this summer. But I want you to know, I also followed up with Amy about how she was feeling after her bout with the cookies. And I was very happy and impressed that Amy was able in that moment to treat herself well by planning to eat when she got hungry again and doing activities right there and then that she loves. So please, once again, as a reminder, to support Amy, go to day 65 and give her a shout out, a comment, say hello. And while you're on the site, if you could, would you take a moment out and also head over to day 64, the prior episode, and support our new brave companion and listener from Rhode Island, who was extremely brave last episode and called the Bravery Hotline as well. You know, sometimes I get really worried when I post my blog posts so soon after releasing a show because a lot of you will come and comment and you will just comment on whatever is the new thing on the website. So when you come to CompulsiveOvereatingDiary.com, you're going to see a mixture of podcast show notes and written blog posts and any other kind of statuses are just there. So a lot of people will just go to the comments box of whatever is topmost and leave your comment. Well, if somebody was coming back to see if anyone has supported them on day 64, let's say, like the lady in Rhode Island, who I'm wishing you to support, you might have come and said hello or made your comment on the latest blog post, because I have done a few of those since that show. So I just want to, again, give you guys a little heads up that if you hear somebody brave that you want to support, Try to go to the show notes where they were and leave your message to them because I know how much I appreciate getting your supportive comments and feedback, especially when I feel I've done something silly or something that was scary. It means a lot, and I think it means a lot to the brave companions who do participate when you guys comment on what they've done on the show and also when you go read their comments and reply to their comments and have those cool conversations going like I've mentioned here before. Alrighty, I opened the show in telling you that today was gratitude, story, and bravery day. So we've already had some gratitude We've had some bravery, and now it's time for the story. Way back when, in May, Brave Companion Jenny sent me this letter via my contact form on CompulsiveOvereatingDiary.com. 
Hi, Lori. I hope you are well. I am trying to pass along the website to anyone I can find. I really love it. I do also listen to a podcast called The Mental Illness Happy Hour. I'm not sure if you have heard it. If not, I would suggest it because the podcaster is a comedian who has issues, and he likes to interview people with all sorts of issues. He does not have too many people on with eating disorders, but on his podcast 170, he just put out a call for people in L.A. who have binge eating disorders for an interview. I think you have a perfect sense of humor that would work well for him. I think a lot of people who listen to that show would relate to you and jump over to your podcast. I hope you can reach out to him, your brave companion, Jenny. Well, I hadn't heard of that podcast. I mean, I hadn't listened to the episode, but I knew it because you guys know that I've been obsessively checking out the What's Hot ranking on iTunes for Compulsive Overeating Diary. And the mental illness happy hour is usually number one or two or three out of the several thousand of personal journals and self-help. So I knew what show that was, not from listening to it, but by knowing it was way up there in rank. So I did go listen to episode 170, thought it was pretty good, even though it was kind of scary. And I sent this message right away to Paul Gilmartin, the comedian who hosts that show. Hey, Paul, I'm a funny binge-eating podcaster living in L.A. Here's my recommendation from one, of my listen, from one of my listeners. And I copied in exactly what Jenny had written to me on the contact form. Then I continued on. I podcast. I walk or hike and tell the absolute truth about how I'm feeling instead of heading for the chips. F me. Though, to be honest with you guys, I use the actual word since he's very fond of using it. F me if I knew that honestly letting everyone know what a worthless, scared little worm I was behind my perfectionistic, people-pleasing, helpful mask, I would have found this voice at 5 instead of 55. Hope it works out that we can meet. And Paul wrote me back surprisingly quickly and agreed to give it a shot and record an interview with me at his podcast studio in July if I understood the following. He cautioned that depending on how the interview went, he may not use it at all. He might use only part of it in a roundup episode of various folks with eating disorders. And if he even used it, it may be up to a year before the interview actually went live on his show. Well, how could I resist, right? His show would also mean me spilling my most embarrassing fears and life moments in front of a very quick-witted, smart-ass comedian who would tempt me, by example, to use the F word at every moment. But his show is very popular, and if there was a chance that some more brave companions might find us, I decided to be brave and take the chance, despite my very reasonable self-doubts and fears. And that interview happened last Sunday, Brave Companions. And now I'm going to tell you the rest of that story. Now, to put it in context, what a bigger fish Paul Gilmartin is for me <laughs> in, the, in the Hollywood stars of the universe. Let me read a little bit of Paul Gilmartin's Wikipedia, and I'll put the link to his Wikipedia entry as well, okay? Paul Gilmartin is a comedian who studied at Chicago's famed Second City and hosted TBS's Dinner and a Movie for over 16 years. In 2011, Gilmartin launched and is currently the host of a weekly podcast, The Mental Illness Happy Hour, 
The long format interview style show examines lives affected by mental health issues, including depression, addiction, fear, anxiety, abuse, and gender identity. Of his hosting abilities, the New York Times described Gilmartin as having created, quote, a perversely safe place in which he and his guests talk about their fears, addictions, and traumatic childhoods, unquote. Gilmartin's guests on the podcast have included comedians like Adam Carolla, Paul F. Tompkins, and Doug Benson. In his first year of production, the show received over one million downloads. It currently ranks as one of the most popular self-help podcasts on iTunes. Okay, so there's Paul, professional comedian, known by other professional celebrities and comedians in L.A., he happens to have a very, very, very successful podcast where I, Lori, of Compulsive Overeating Diary, am known by nobody except by you, the brave companions, my personal friends and family, <laughs> and maybe the barista at the coffee bar where I go. He says, hi, Lori. So I am not someone who Paul Gilmartin would say, oh, that Lori Weaver, yeah, get her on the show. Let's book it, right? So when I got Jenny's note, my first thought was, <laughs> uh, why would someone like him want someone like me? But then after I listened to his show, I realized that the more traumatic, pathetic, and awful you have, <laughs> and the more you're willing to talk about it, the more you're right up his alley. But that gives me another dilemma, right? Because even when I talk to you about my personal life on this show, I am pretty careful not to mention anybody by name or even incidents in such a way as they would be recognizable. Now that is not going to fly on the mental illness happy hour. That's a show where you do name names and, and expose the bodies in the closet. You kind of let yourself hang out there and he's a very good interviewer so I had this fear like Man, what might I say and how would I feel about that? So it gave me a little bit of a pause, but I went ahead and emailed him because I truly felt like there's no way that he is going to, you know, want me. So when he emailed me back and said, yes, let's do it, I thought, well, okay, that's two months from now. So if I decide I don't want to do it on second thought or third thought or 100th thought, He's not going to care if I cancel. He gets lots of requests for interviews, and he's got a, you know, a year in the can. He doesn't need my interview. So you know that time went by and went by, went by, went by, and then we confirmed everything, and I started to sweat. And in my last therapy session, I shared this with my therapist. I said, oh, my goodness, I'm, I'm really scared. What if I say this about this, or what if this comes out? How would that be? You know, do you think this is like a really stupid idea? And my therapist was kind of of the opinion, if you talk about how things felt to you, it's okay to tell the truth. I was like, oh, I just don't know. And Brave Companions, I'm pretty positive that if any of you grew up in a family where anything was going on of any type, you know, from alcohol addiction, gambling addiction, sex addiction, any kind of addiction or dysfunction, there's often this wall between you and the outside world where what happens in the family stays in the family. It's not necessarily healthy or good, but it's built in. It's kind of like my automatic 
food response is. It's like my automatic call to the robot aliens. It is so against my nature to actually reveal some of the things that I was scared I might reveal. And I'll put out there right now, I was fortunate that I didn't have any kind of overt type abuse of any type. So I didn't have to worry about that. But there's things I didn't want to say about particular people and there's things I didn't really want to admit, mistakes in my own life and, and choices that I made. I was really feeling kind of tender-hearted about the whole thing, as well as having such low self-esteem that I felt like, this is all a big joke. I'm going to get to Paul Gilmartin's studio, find the door locked, and him going, ha, 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 she fell for it at home, right? I know this is, this is irrational. But that's the kind of thoughts I have. As I'm driving there, I'm thinking, oh, when I get there, he's not going to be there because this is all a big joke. Now, when you live in L.A., Los Angeles, there is how many miles away is something and how much time might it take to get there and what's the time with traffic. And even on a day like Sunday or a time you think there may not be traffic, sometimes everyone's going to the beach or there's a Dodger game or something's up, so you're going a route where you think there might not be traffic, but there might be. So anytime you have a business appointment, or you have an audition, or you're going someplace where you absolutely need to be there on time, you have what I call the L.A. dilemma. How soon do you have to leave your house to make sure that you can find some route to get to point B in time if there might be traffic? But if you leave too early, then you end up at point B before the intended time. And so you got to go hang around or go find a coffee shop or go do something rather than looking pathetic and showing up too early for this business appointment. So I was in this situation and I got to Paul's studio address about 15 minutes early. Now 15 minutes early is too soon is is too close to the time you need to be there to go drive around or walk around looking for a coffee shop to kill 15 minutes and i'm thinking well if it was me i might be here already setting up and getting ready for the interview so i will go up to the door and try to come in and then just make light of it that i'm there 15 minutes early you know that's really uncool but let me just do that so i go up to the door and of course it's locked. Oh my God. Now what did I just tell you? My worst fear is I'm going there. It's all a joke. It's just awful. Well, luckily my cool head prevailed and I had Paul Gilmartin's cell phone number. So I called him to see if he might be inside and just forgot to unlock the door to this office. And I get not him on the phone, but his voicemail. So again, I get the woo willies. Oh my God. This is really true. He's not going to show. This is crazy. So I left him the message. Uh, Paul, uh, I'm Lori. Re remember, we were going we to do an interview. And, and I'm here standing in front of your door, but it's locked. So then I'm standing there in the sweltering hot sun of Los Angeles in Van Nuys, which is kind of uh, an area, at least where I was, is, is like, you know, highway and buildings and not a lot of shade pretty hot and people are walking by giving me the look because I don't seem to be going anywhere and I'm hanging around in front of a building that's locked 
so I'm feeling uncomfortable. So I decided to text my husband, Mark, to let him know where I am, just in case something should happen. And, you know, I get kidnapped or some, you know, one of the 10,100 bad things that my compulsive brain can make up for my own terror and amusement when I'm in an uncomfortable situation. So I text to Mark and say, here I am in Van Nuys. And I have an iPhone, and iPhones, when you are texting, keeps correcting your words to something different. And it said, hi, Mark, here I am in Van Nuts, N-U-T-S, Van Nuts. So that made me laugh and entertained me for a few minutes. And then Paul called me on his phone and said, I'm leaving my house right now. I'm two minutes away. Hang tight, and I'll be right there. Okay, so... My next thought was, oh my God, am I pathetic because I let Paul know that I broke the LA code and I showed up early to an important business appointment. <laughs> but my next thought was relief that he knew who I was, he knew I was coming, and he was on his way there. So Paul comes, gives me a hug. That's kind of his thing is to give you a hug. Unlocks the office. We go up. He gives me a drink of water. And I get ready to spill my guts on his interview. So I talk to him and say like, well, so did you have a chance to, to listen to my show or to know who I am? And he's kind of like, well, no, not really, because you know I get so many requests for things, but I really was interested in having people on that had an eating issue. So I know right then and there, all right. Paul has got so many interviews and knows what he's doing so much that he doesn't really have to prep for someone like me. So on the one hand, that makes me feel a little bit lesser than, right? <laughs> because, oh, you're basically Lori binge eater on my calendar to do my thing. But I got to tell you, Paul is one of the most genuine, kind, and caring guys. And remember, he is a working comedian with one million downloads. I am a retired former database developer with, you know, I'm happy if I have 300 downloads on an episode. I really am. So we have a little bit of inequity going on. And in the past, that knowledge of just where I exist in the food chain of podcastum might have made my confidence go down a notch. But instead, I thought, you've got this, Lori. It doesn't matter because after all, he's probably not going to use the show anyway. And if he does, it's not for a year. And your therapist said, if you say how you feel, it's probably a good thing. And so it was really cool because he actually has a studio there in Van Nuys. And he has like regular microphones, though he does record into his Macintosh. Like that's what I use to edit my show. But it's really cool. It's like being in a regular face-to-face -face studio setting. And I've done many interviews with other people that I've interviewed or I've talked to other podcasters via Skype or on the telephone like I did with Alan Standish, but I've never had a situation where we were face-to-face -face in studio behind mics, each of us. So that was really kind of fun. It was a very neat experience. And since I wanted to know what kind of show he had, I have listened to several of his episodes and I actually find them very entertaining and useful because I tell you, it lets you know that everybody in the world has had some bad things in their life. They have fears. 
they have things that make them feel like they're worthless and no good and you just want to reach out through the phone or the iPod or the computer, however you're listening to them, you just want to reach out and give them a hug. It makes you realize that when you're vulnerable, that it makes people actually relate to you more. At least people who aren't hard-ass, horrible bully types that get off on other people's pain. But there's plenty of people who really do care. And I find his show very compassionate and interesting. Now, I will give you warnings, brave companions, if a year from now passes and you go to listen to Lori Weaver on the Mental Illness Happy Hour, I can't promise you I didn't swear. I don't believe I said the F word out loud. I'm pretty positive I said a couple bullshits or other things like this because he has explicit on every one of his show notes. I'm also not sure exactly which of my stories will make it, but it will be a little more explicit than what you're used to. So if, you know, explicit language or naming names isn't your thing, don't listen to me on that show. If you really want to get to know me better (laughs) in a way that you probably won't get to know me ever again in this life unless you are my therapist, then when it comes out, however much or however long that interview is, I'll put the link on my show notes and let you know. Like I said, be warned, it might never ever be used. I might be just a little segment feature on an overall show, a a roundup show where he has many people that have eating issues, or it might be just the interview that he and I did together. But, you know, as I was leaving, I took today's selfie. That's me and Paul Gilmartin on the day that we did this interview, thanks to Jenny, who sent me that, that information and recommended that I contact him. And Jenny, here's a special surprise for you. Hi, Jenny. This is Paul, and I want to thank you so much for uh, supporting the show and uh, sending you a big hug. Wow, Jenny, I could hardly contain myself from that secret, but I hope that you super enjoyed getting Paul's hug directly for you. And Paul, if you're listening to this, thank you so much for the interview Thanks for recording that for Jenny, and just thanks for giving me a really interesting experience that taught me a lot more about myself. Now, that was the story. That was the bravery, but I've got someone else on the bravery report. Now, we've got Amy from Wisconsin is on the bravery report for telling us how she was feeling right after having an eating issue. I'm putting myself on the bravery report because actually following through with that interview is one of the bravest things I have ever done. But the third person that goes on this week's bravery report is Donnie. Ta-da! And Donnie makes me so happy. It made one of my dreams come true that Donnie called the bravery report and is the first brave companion to participate in Foolish Fun. (laughs) Lori presents Foolish Fun (laughs) The feature where messing up Is just part of the act (laughs) Hi Foolish Fun 
Fun Hotline. This is Donnie, and I was calling you because I heard that it's Happy, Happy National Love Horses Day. And so um, I saw a caption that said, What did the mama horse say to the baby horse? It's past your bedtime. Get it, past your, ah, it's past your bedtime. Ah, foolish fun. Gotta love it. <laughs> and if you love to be foolish too, call the Bravery Hotline and get your silly on. <laughs> Faster bedtime. <laughs> Stellar job horsing around there, Donnie. I really, really enjoyed that one. And I hope this gives you brave companions an idea about what Foolish Fun is all about. And what was really surprising that Donnie was the first one to do Foolish Fun is because we had the following comment conversations between each other on day 63. Donnie says, I needed a place to be and connect and share to people who can, will, do understand and aren't judgmental or jealous haters that don't get it. I love this podcast, your website, and just connecting with you. As I said before, after binge listening, I really feel like I know you. I've been racking my brain on something to use, do, to get in on the fun thing. I don't remember what you specifically called it. I just know the fun part. And that is the side that has nothing to do with compulsive overeating, laughing out loud. And I wrote back, Hi Donnie, the feature is called Foolish Fun and it is any silly audio. You can call the Bravery Hotline and tell a joke, tell a story, whistle, sing, find a good joke on the internet and read it, find a new word in the dictionary and tell us what it means, anything, anything at all to be other than a compulsive eater in that one moment. It's like me going to meet the voice actors when I did. Make sense? Donnie says, It makes plenty of sense. I'm just not there yet laughing out loud. But as I was sitting in the beauty parlor the other day, checking my email with my hair, you know, in the foil, <laughs> I got Donnie's foolish fun call. I laughed out loud and I played it for the entire room there at the Bonaventure in Los Angeles where I get my hair done. And we all laughed and had a great time. I emailed Donnie right then and then that she had just made her LA comedy debut. And now she's made her worldwide foolish fun debut. How about you? The details for sending your own foolish fun are on the show notes of day 65 and on every day since day 54. And bottom line, all you got to do is record anything fun at all. Anything. Use your own name or not. Send your audio to me so you, like Donnie, can make your own foolish fun debut and prove to yourself in that moment you are more than a person with eating issues. Try it. It's fun. Well, brave companions, this has been a long, hard road today to record all of these interesting adventures. I want to thank you again for your participation, for calling, for commenting, for doing all that you do to support me. Thanks again. A special shout out to you, Jenny, for making this interesting experience with Paul Gilmartin possible. So until next time, brave companions, whether you call me or not, I hope somewhere in your life, you are having fun and take care because I care. I'm a slave without a master, heading for disaster, kicking up the dust in the middle of the road. I've been waiting on a free ride. 
ticket to a seaside thicket on the edge of Puget Sound. And there I'll sit, I'll admit that I was only just a guest inside my skin. And by the dawn, I'll be gone and won't be holding on to anything again. I'm letting go. I'm letting go, it's a sign.